Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. My name is Mason. Uh, today's episode, we are talking to Tori Yerosh, who is kind of it's kind of cool. It, Tori is a connection from Kurt Linville, the previous host of this show, one of the previous hosts. And Kurt met Tori and connected Tori with me, and she just had a really interesting story to tell about an adventure she took that was very different than a lot of adventures we talk about. Obviously, we, we, we talk about, you know, and Tori's done a lot of, you know, standard adventures, I guess you would say, but this one was really unique in that it was a retreat of silence. And what was so cool is how different that is than what we ever talk about. Literally, you know, we, or if you're talking about silence, you're obviously not participating in silence because you're talking, uh, which was really funny. We talked about that because one of the biggest revelations for Tori from this retreat of silence was that she wanted to start a podcast, which is the opposite of being silent. <laughs> and so we, we get into all that, but it was so cool because, you know, our lives are so busy. I don't know about you, but I, there's just constant noise, constant communication, constant everything. And to be able to take away, strip away all, all noise, all interaction, and just have even a few days of silence is maybe a sensation a lot of us have never experienced. Um, I know on a, an adventure, you can oftentimes get moments in, in days even of silence when uh, you're out there alone on maybe a solo trip, and you're out in the wilderness especially. But outside of that, honestly, I don't have a lot of times where I'm completely silent voluntarily. So, this was really interesting. She learned a lot, and I think you can learn a lot. She's really entertaining. And, of course, go sh check out her show, her podcast called No Handlebars. Uh, you can find it anywhere you get podcasts, and it's obviously going to be linked right here in the show notes. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in. All right, folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast today. Interesting story. It's going to be a little different, honestly. Um it's going to be a decentralized adventure, talking about everyday adventures and kind of what got this started. But Tori Yarosh, welcome to the show. Hello, Mason. Thank you for having me on. I, Super honored. Oh, it's awesome. And, and I have to say, this is based on what I can hear right now, some of the best audio we've ever had from a guest remotely. So I think it's going to be a great episode. Um, and that's probably because you're also a podcaster too. You've got probably at least a microphone, decent equipment. Yeah, I got my fancy schmancy discount microphone here <laughs> with the fuzzy on top. It looks like it has hair, oh, and that's yeah. when you know it's good. Oh, that's when you know it's going to be just amazing. That that I bought a I got I bought a uh, a mic when I first took over the show for like fifty dollars, sixty bucks, something like that on Amazon. Same mic I'm mm -hmm. using right now to talk to you. And that was like four years ago. So you don't need huge equipment, you know, expensive stuff, crazy budget to, um, to make a good show. It just has to be the stories. And if it's quality, it's quality. So, um, encouraging for anyone out there starting a podcast, but, uh, Tor Tori, tell us about, we were talking about it a little before, but tell us where you're coming from, where you live, but also where you grew up and where, where kind of that side of home is for you. All right. Yeah. So I live in a secret undisclosed place in Colorado, not too far from Mason. Just kidding. It's called Gunnison. <laughs> Gunnison, Colorado, right in the crack of the mountains. Some people will call it the butt crack of the mountains. Um, my mom doesn't like when I call it that. But anyway, um, here in Gunnison, 
we're pretty secluded. It's kind of just a drive through a Passover town where you'll just go right through it, not know all the crazy things that happen there. But I ended up there by going to college. And a lot of people find that when they do that, they'll get stuck there <laughs> in a good way. I tried to leave um, just to to expand out, but got pulled right back because all my really? friends and memories live here. Yeah, by a few coincidental incidents that brought me right back. And it it all seems like where I'm supposed to be. But yeah, here in Gunnison, we got pretty much all the sports and that's a big reason people come here. The college has a big degree for um, outdoor recreation where people can get all sorts of certs and stuff to do that. So we have a lot of wild folk who get get down with the adventure. So here I, you know, we got rafting, but on the Gunnison, we call it floating because <laughs> we really can just float down the river without doing much. If you hit a rock, nothing crazy will probably happen. You just have to get out in knee deep water and push yourself out. Like um, my boyfriend does a really fun thing where he'll just jump off the oars and say, okay, someone else is driving. So then I just like without warning. Have- <laughs> without okay. warning, okay. he might even jump into another boat and then you are forced to drive, which usually has turned out not getting stuck on rocks. So that's good. So yeah, floating, not very detrimental. We got Nordic skiing, oh, some of the most beautiful. And then skiing and snowboarding up in Crested Butte and horseback riding. I'm a trail guide for a horseback riding company um, in the summer, which I'm about to start up. Very exciting. Um, and then also, you know, mountain biking is crazy out here. Hiking, climbing, road biking. My first mountain bike ride actually was on this trail and we got stuck in a lightning storm on my very first ride. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was on a little 26er and it was a piece of crapola. We get to the top and, you know, biking up. Mason, do you do any mountain biking? I do. I do. I've done, uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so people say like, you know, there's a downhill type and a climber type. Are you are you more of a downhill person or uphill no, person? No, I'm actually horrible with gravity <laughs> working with me. I, I, I'm decent at climbing, better at climbing. Ironically, I, I live somewhere very flat now, but still that, that engine's still there. But yeah, what, yeah. what, what are you? Oh, I'm a downhill person. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I like but to I not work to... too hard either, but I, I'm, I have horrible balance, so it doesn't work right. I try to keep that uphill mentality though, you know, but when I was going uphill on that first ride, holy cannoli, I'm saying, I'm never going to have a baby because I know that's the only thing harder <laughs> than this <laughs> right this. now is biking four miles uphill. <laughs> But we made it, and when we got to the top, there's just like this storm on the horizon, and we didn't check the radar because I'm, I'm a pretty novice at a lot of these activities, right? I came here from a, a city practically. So anyway, we get to the top and look at it. He says, hmm, maybe we should turn back. And I said, heck, I just biked four miles uphill. We're going downhill. <laughs> like, <laughs> if I have anything to do with this. So we go up a little more, get hear the loudest thunder I've ever heard in, in my my life. You know, the kind that's just like in your ears. And we just looked at each other like, holy cannoli. And at this point, we're at a really exposed part. Threw our bikes into the bushes, you know, like get this metal away from me and ran down 
crouched into whatever low brush there was and just hid (laughs) from the lightning. And you would think that after being stuck for an hour or so in the storm watching the mountain across the way, which is Gothic Mountain, getting struck by lightning, like right around the area where we are, that you would never want to really mountain bike or do this again. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) for some reason, I wasn't really scared. My friend was so scared. But I thought, if lightning is going to hit me, it's going to hit me, you know? I don't really have control over that. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you have control about being on a mountain (laughs) or not. (laughs) During a lightning storm. But I I I know what you're saying. (laughs) At one point, we hear, we're hiding and we hear someone go, hey, are you guys okay? And I'm thinking, oh man, mountain rescue's here. This really is a pickle. And then it's just some girl like, can I hide with you guys? We're like, yeah, (laughs) get over here. She's wearing like lightning bolt socks, which was terribly ironic. Jeez. Uh, Oh. Yeah. We just would wait, you know, like 20 minutes. If we didn't see lightning or hear thunder, then we would, if we could get 20 minutes without anything, then we would send it. Just send it. (laughs) And then uh, there was a big hole in the clouds. And I said, this is the time, you know, we got to do it. And I'm going to send it harder than I ever have. And you know what that means. I'm going to send it. (laughs) That literally means than I ever have because I've never done this before. Right, right. It's as hard as you send it. It's (laughs) the hardest you've ever sent it. (laughs) Yeah. So as fast as we could, you know, for our lives practically. And we all wiped out at least once. I had a beautiful Superman OTB over the bars into a bunch of wildflowers which was just wonderful and didn't hurt a bit. Yeah, best case scenario right there. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I've been hooked on mountain biking since then. So I guess that's my, like, least novice sport. I'm a pretty crummy climber on the mountain bike, but... I'm I'm kind of short. I'm five one and a half, so I, I blame my stature, oh, but wow, that's really yeah. no excuse. <laughs> really no excuse. It helps you with lightning a little bit, at least, versus <laughs> us six plus yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So your intro into mountain biking was, uh, yeah, I mean, mine was awful in the sense of just like, what? Why do people enjoy this? This is terrible. You fall every ten <laughs> seconds. You, you're it's hard freaking work. Um, it's constantly, yeah, pedaling uphill or something. So it took, it took, uh, it takes a handful of times, a lot of times with these sports to, to enjoy it, or at least enjoy it, knowing that you enjoy it in the moment. Obviously, even, even the worst times you, you think back on it and think, wow, that was actually kind of fun. Not in the moment, mm-hmm. type two fun, you know, thinking back, but a good type two. that's awesome. So there's an endless amount of opportunities there in Gunnison. Kurt, like we said, you you met Kurt. Him, he put you in touch with us, and uh, he he's the former one of the former uh, hosts. Him and Travis, his best friend, were the ones that started this show together. And uh, when they they both got to the point where they said, "We're going to pursue a more adventurous life." but that's going to require not hosting this show anymore. So it was kind of a weird pickle mm. for them. And uh, so Kurt moved from the Denver area to Gunnison, and then Travis took his family on the road uh, in an RV full-time. Um, so it's it's kind of cool that the show had that impact on them, and, and Kurt is still singing the praises of the show four years later out in the mountains of Gunnison. But he he constantly talks to me about how awesome it is out there. And I've spent a lot of time out there too, but... 
I, I, I want to ask you, you, you had a really unique experience with, um, not, not with lightning or with mountain biking or falling, you know, face first into a field full of flowers, but with doing nothing. And, uh, could uh-huh. I, can I ask you some questions about that? Totally. Totally. Um, before we get into it, I just want to mention that Gunnison is a land of torn ACLs and camper lifestyles because there is that housing shortage and, and so beware. <laughs> Everyone has a knee brace in a, in a, in a tiny house or a fifth wheel or something. Huh? Yeah. There's one in my house right now, a broken person. But anyway, oh, yeah, the art, the, the accomplishment of doing nothing is kind of what inspired my podcast. So. And kind when, of what countercultural like to the lifestyle you're talking about in Gunnison. Oh yeah. Interesting. So, so tell us about how this opportunity came about for you and what was the process like of accepting it? You know what I'm saying? Was there a story there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, another one of my jobs, (laughs) we're on job number three. I was bartender, horseback rider, um, dude wrangler. That's what it is. And then also I work at a nonprofit. So I kind of, I've always loved podcasts and my fourth job as a cook, (laughs) I always listen to podcasts. So I always thought it'd be cool to make my own. And I've always loved the thought of being on the radio since I was a kid listening to it on Chicago public radio. I'm from that area, which makes me a beginner at things. (laughs) (laughs) And so... (laughs) So my nonprofit boss one day, his name's Luke Danielson, and he is a really unique 70-something-year-old man. Um, he always has a story for you, right? And he got me to work at the nonprofit just by chance. He got me to work there. But anyway, weird boss, pulls me into all sorts of weird tasks, like buying gifts for his daughter-in-law. And, and I'm like, get her a bath bomb. That'll be great. So anyway, I'm kind of like his personal assistant slash adventure partner in a sense. So one day I'm sitting in my swivel chair and he's in his office on the phone. Someone's driving him crazy as they do. He was an environmental lawyer and human rights lawyer for most of his life. So he's doing all sorts of things with people from faraway countries. And he says, the Nigerians, they're out to get me. (laughs) And then he says, "Uh, Tori, would you like to go on a spiritual retreat with me? And I heard this. I turn around in my swivel chair and I look at him and I go, why not? And I took it as a challenge and I did really didn't want to like, you know, what does this mean? And I find out that it's a silent meditation retreat at a Buddhist monastery in Crestone, Colorado. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this sounds wild. I really am a homebody. I love being at home, but I said I would go, so I'm going to do this. So anyway, we get there and it's a beautiful temple kind of thing in the middle of Colorado. And it kind of looks like what you might think Tibet looks like. Um, That's what some of the monks told us that they like it because it reminds them of Tibet with lots of funky shaped juniper bushes and rolling hills with snow just sprinkled on tall mountains in the distance. So yeah. And then when we get there, start off, no talking, you know, <laughs> head nodding and there's basic Was that speech, the role like, no, no talking? Um, only necessary talking, right? So like- Like there's a if, spider on your face <laughs> or something. Or I guess you could use your hands. 
You didn't even have to say anything. <laughs> you just smack them mm-hmm. with it's and then say it was good for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, not much talking, very quiet. You know, I'm a big music person, so I'd always have music playing in my everyday life, but it's interesting how that kind of does drown out your thoughts sometimes. Oh, definitely. And so, Podcasting as well. I mean, I, yeah. I, I definitely fight my thoughts away with podcasts sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm Which saying? Which is fine. You yeah, it's fun a lot of the be. times, but you don't, you're right. It, it can impede that clarity, but go ahead. Sorry. All good. So, you know, there was like group meditations every day, but apparently the monks had had like a pretty serious retreat the week before we came. So there wasn't much teaching. There was a lot of prayer in, in Nepalese, I believe is how you say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm Gosh. pretty sure. Yeah. Nepali, <laughs> Nepalese. Yeah, Nepali. And... But there was prayer in a different language that I didn't understand. And then you sit for an hour with the whole group and do all sorts of bows and stuff. But And then you're done and they say, okay, have a good day. And you just go off and be silent. So in that, I had to pretty much fill the time with, okay, we're going to eat at this time. And maybe we'll read a little bit at this time. And maybe we'll go for a walk, but we're going to sit and just be quiet for most of the time. And I found that extremely hard. Me being a person with four jobs, clearly I'm a busybody. So at one point, and I kind of made it a goal for myself when I came here, like I'm going to come up with what I want to make this podcast about. And I'm sitting at the top of a hill doing yoga and thinking about how hard it is to do nothing. And it hit me that that's actually, if I accomplish staying here for five days, which kind of feels like torture at the moment, (laughs) then that is an accomplishment. And just the art, the fact that you can accomplish something by doing nothing, I mean, you're at a monastery, was kind of astounding to me. And that by doing nothing, you actually can have benefits of that, like seeking clarity and just finding some peace and coming back to earth on what it's all about and what our natural state really is, is this quietness. So with that, I thought, hey, and if it, you know, if that's an accomplishment, what if I did this podcast about accomplishments, small and big from doing nothing to running 240 miles, which was my first episode by interviewing Dylan who ran 240 miles. And um, it kind of follows the philosophy on how little victories can change your life and lead you to these bigger goals and how important that is. And I, I felt like, you know, the adventure sports podcast and also this concept are really similar because I also cover adventures, but of different proportions. Um, so I thought that, you know, these big, um, you know, rowing across the Atlantic or any of this super impressive. And it sounded like he, you know, he he didn't prepare himself very much, but it is small steps that it takes to get to these big achievements. Right. And you kind of adventure sports compared to classical sports are, um, I feel like more close to this mindset you can get of, um, of like perseverance in the natural state and being closer to nature and stuff. But that's kind of going on a tangent. But anyway, yeah, I thought everyone likes to talk about achievements. Like, this is a great idea. Let's do it. 
And plus my name's Victoria. <laughs> so I'm like, awesome. she. Yeah. This is this is a good subject for me to follow and fulfill my name of Victoria. Which is which is uh tied tied to victory. I believe so right? in the origin or of the word. So little victories. I love that. Yeah, little victories. All right, I love that. Um, lead, lead. You know, you add all those up. It's it's a great victory. I I love that five days of silence gave you the idea to start something where you essentially talk all the time, which is a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all about talking. Oh, no, it's for conversation. Um, you got your fill of silence, I guess. But how much? I'm curious. How much did you know about Crestone? before this experience? Not much at all. You know, coming from Illinois and living in Gunnison where there's a big pass on one side and kind of nothingness to the West, you don't leave too often. <laughs> so, but... Yeah, and it's really, really cold in the winter. It's like the oh, coldest yeah. area in Colorado. Sometimes in the like world that. or the country at least. That's right, that's right. I, I've heard that <laughs> as well. But anyway, it, it's hard to get out Sometimes right, but Luke saying. Danielson gave me the lowdown on Crestone before I got there. He, he um, I forget what he had said, but he kind of knew the husband of the woman who inherited that land from him through their divorce, and she was a big hippie. <laughs> and so she made it accessible for a lot of these spiritual groups. Is And there was all sorts of mining in that too. What do you know about Crestone? I lived in Colorado for, for quite a few years and uh, in the Denver area, Golden, um, recently moved away, which I'm sure guests are just sick of me mentioning all the time. But when people ask, what is your favorite area in Colorado that you've been, and I went all over the place, um, tried to climb all the 14ers while I was there and just do all kinds of backpacking and exploring and bikepacking and whatnot. And by far, by far the most, my most favorite area of all is Crestone and the surrounding area, as well as uh, the entire range of the Sangre de Cristo mm -hmm. Mountains right behind Crestone. I just think it's the most magical part of all of Colorado for, for different reasons. It's, it's less, it's more secluded. It's not so touristy with ski areas. It doesn't have that, you know, condo apocalypse that a lot of valleys do in Colorado from mm -hmm. ski mountains. Um, it feels like Montana, you know what I mean? With a little bit of a weird twist of, um, gosh, just weirdness yeah. to it. California weirdness almost with the UFOs <laughs> right. and um, just kind of that counterculture. And I'm from Florida, mm -hmm. so it's uh, we got a lot of weird folks here. So it feels like a cool mix of all that. And just the kind of isolation of it all is so awesome. But Crestone was one of my favorite towns. And I remember one time doing a, a backpacking trip there. Uh, for like five days, actually, yeah, ironically, five days, and uh, finished up there a big loop through the mountains. And I get back to the bar in Crestone, and I was it was on a big challenge. I was actually trying to climb all the yeah. 14ers in wow. one trip and bike wow. between them. And uh, I, I'm resting in Crestone that night, and I'm just like, I, I'm clearly whooped. Like, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die out here. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awful. Um and I remember sitting next to someone in the bar in Crestone downtown and downtown, like there's, there's not, yeah, a whole lot, I, you know I what I'm saying? You. Not a whole lot there. And it was the mayor <laughs> of Crestone. So 
<laughs> and we get to talk and he's like, hey man, you want to be on the board wow. here in town? We're looking for more people <laughs> to move here. And it was one of those moments, Tori, where you you know this is a path, like a diverge mm-hmm. in the path. And you're like, where, which way do I go right now? Because this could be a totally different totally. path in life. <laughs> but I didn't choose it. I didn't choose it. But anyway, very fond memories of that area. I love it. I think it's such oh. a cool place. Um, but anyway, it's so funny that you say, uh, I mean, if, if you don't know, it is kind of high desert, juniper trees everywhere, beautiful mountains in the background, and temples, mm-hmm. dozens mm-hmm. of temples just scattered throughout this open valley. Right. And it's funny that life just give you gave you that divergence in the road there because it seems like Crestone just does that to you. They're very about, and there's just some sort of, it's a weird little vortex down there or something. Um, Definitely. There's like a portal to another world down there. It's a, it's a magical place. And the backpacking in those mountains behind there yeah. are amazing because very few people go in comparison to other parts of, uh, of, the, mm-hmm. of the state. But anyway, so, so tell us about, I want to know a little bit more actually about the experience of how hard was it for you to be silent for five days or, or to do nothing? I mean, that's, I don't think I've ever done that. And I don't know many people who have outside of, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think I know anybody. So what was that like? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that helped make this show possible. I'd like to introduce you to our newest sponsor, Gnarly Nutrition. I know you've heard about them recently because we've had some guests on recently that credits Gnarly for helping them do the the adventures that we talk about on this show. So uh, Chris Fisher was one who did the Vert Max. He did 400,000 feet of elevation gain in a month. Check out that episode. Uh, That was not too far back. And he credits Gnarly Nutrition for keeping him, his body literally sustained during that time, just packing in the calories. It's amazing nutrition for anyone doing anything adventure, uh, endurance-based, whether that's in the mountains or bikepacking or whatever. It's a great thing to have with you prior to an, uh, an adventure training and also during an adventure. And also Jason Hardrath, who recently did um, the 100 fastest known times. He did 100 mountains in 50 days and just was slamming gnarly nutrition. He also credits Gnarly for essentially keeping his body sustained. And so um, Gnarly Nutrition has been around since 2008. They were born in Utah's Wasatch Mountains, uh, and they are committed to educating and inspiring athletes of all levels to be as nutritionally sound as possible. Their nutrition supplements are certified by NSF and have science-backed products free of hormones, free of GMOs, proprietary blends, uh, and nothing artificial. So Gnarly is going to help you get ready and help you sustain during uh, those huge adventure efforts. So if you're looking for the best tasting and the most trusted sports nutrition brand for any endurance athletes, go to GoGnarly, and that is G-N-A-R-L-Y dot com, and use the code GnarlyAdventure15 for 15% off. And just, you know, a personal plug here, I love Gnarly. I love the folks there. They're doing such a fantastic job. They have been so great to work with. Uh, They helped provide some products for um, our Journey to 100 film series uh, that we were doing giveaways with at the end of every film screening. So it's been a pleasure to work with them so far. So if you'd like to support the folks that are supporting this show, 
definitely go visit gonarly.com. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Oh, man. Well, I would... I went on a lot of walks and I actually talked to myself a lot. So <laughs> there was, which is kind of like podcasting <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> and um, except, is. you know, when I'm uh, in my podcast, sometimes I do a lot of narrative, um, narrative style leading through the story. So that is a lot of talking to myself. And, and I would kind of just like take myself through stories of my life and think about things that were bothering me. And, and, you know, there's a part where you're supposed to think about nothing. And I would try to, I would do that too, where I would sit and breathe and concentrate on breathing and just listen to your surroundings and really take it in. And, but you kind of have to get through the things that are on your mind first in order to reach that kind of nothingness in your mind to be in the zone while doing nothing. Cause I feel like our adventurers out there when you're biking or climbing or whatever, you kind of clear your mind by forcing, forcing it to an activity. So meditation is more like no activity and also being in the zone of thinking about almost nothing. Right. And yeah. So when I wasn't, and it was amazing how even talking to yourself, you really can figure out why something is bothering you that you didn't know before. And just like, be like, oh, okay, I understand that now. Now I can leave it behind. And so that was a really beautiful part of it. Um, but I went on walks a lot and there was this thing called a stupa, which is kind of like a spiritual center or spot or statue in the Buddhist um, culture. So every day we walk individually a few miles up to the stupa and I had the worst shoes. So sometimes I'd just be barefoot and just look like a little hippie walking up the hill. And then you just go get to the top, look at this massive, um, kind of looks like, like it kind of looks like an alien receptor device. <laughs> just kidding. It's made of stone, it's round at the bottom and kind of tapers out towards the top. And then it's prayer flags all over it. And just the sound of the prayer flags flapping and looking over the valley of that flatness that you referred to as kind of like Montana, that stretch between mountains that's so flat in crust stone. And then you just sit longer <laughs> and feel kind of content that you made it to the top of the hill, like that little victory, right, for the day. That would pretty much be my accomplishment for the day is walking to the stupa. And, you know, Mason, also some things that prominently reassured me that I was slightly going crazy. <laughs> One time I ran into, I was going up to the stupa and I actually met with Luke up there by coincidence. And I was like, oh, and so me and Luke chatted just a tiny bit. So we did break the rules a tiny bit just to, you know, sometimes you really do. Talking is such a release and you realize that after being quiet for a long time. So he asked me, have you met our little fly friends yet? And I said, yes, I had lunch with some today. <laughs> Literally some flies like landing on my bowl and I let them eat a little bit of whatever I was eating. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure people who do solo hikes um, across big through hikes have the same experience. But also the other one was once I found my favorite, a rock I really liked, right? 
and I was carrying it. And then I jumped across a creek and dropped the rock. And then I spent like 45 minutes looking for my tiny rock amongst like a million other rocks. And I realized how silly that was. (laughs) And it just felt like such a bigger realization than just that. And these are the type of small realizations you have while you're so silent and still at a monastery for five days. And yeah, it's a, it's a constant meditation being there. The meals would be rung by gongs. So I would just kind of yearn for the gong sound. And when the gong came, then we'd silently go in and you'd silently drink your tea and be grateful for whatever you're eating. Yeah, and then I was so happy to leave. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll go back one day. But when I left, got home, ah, oh man, home after five days, I looked at my boyfriend and I said, has your hair gotten longer? I feel like it's longer. <laughs> it's been so long. But, you know, the other day at my bar, I had someone sitting there who had done a 10-day silent meditation, but also no eye contact, which is really psycho. And I can't even imagine. I mean, it's kind of easy to be silent and not look at people in the eye, but, you know, you would walk past people in the morning and nod and look at them. But I guess that's completely unnecessary when you think about it. So uh, just thinking about the levels of commitment people do because people had been there for months and I was there for five days like, heck, (laughs) I gotta go. But still to this day, I do a silent (sighs) meditation at a center here in Gunnison for about an hour a week. And that is really crazy how much effort it go that goes into that. But that's really all that led into no handlebars. And I call it that because kind of like the little victory of riding your bike with no handlebars takes some effort, but not much. And when you get it, you're like, yeehaw, let's go. But yeah, you know, there's actually a lot of research behind the power of little victories. I read about some recently. No, I just, I think it's great stories, by the <laughs> way, from, from the five days. Yeah. What do you think of that? Literally making friends <laughs> with flies, um, finding your rock. I, I've definitely... I could see that. I could see that becoming like, well, I've got nothing else to do. I might as well find this rock. You, you can make something that isn't important a little more important in that time. But then realize how um, it's not. Versus if you were... <laughs> it's a rock. Yeah. Right, right. That's amazing. Um, how do you think... I don't know if you reflected on this at all, but do you think sometimes it's necessary to have, especially when you maybe don't know what to do next in life or you're looking for yeah, that next opportunity or that next thing to pursue, actually stepping back from doing anything, being completely void of anything to do to allow room for your mind to figure out what it wants or, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, was it necessary for that to happen? Did you have to do that for you to come up with the idea mm-hmm. to do your podcast mm-hmm. basically? Yeah, I th- I think so. Absolutely. It's like when you push these things. It's just the clarity is really astounding of what you can be shown. And suddenly something that's bothering you seems so insignificant, insignificant or clear, right? So one thing that happened for me recently was this nonprofit job I mentioned. I've been doing it pretty much on and off for the past five years. 
and it's related to my degree. And it's always been something that's kind of like, I don't exactly like doing it. Um, even though it's the closest thing to my degree, which was environmental studies. And I was kind of a research associate slash just office person. And everyone was telling me that you should quit. You should just leave it, this and that. But I never did <laughs> until I sat down in one of these silent med- meditations after a long time of not doing it. And it became so clear to me that, yes, that's the thing I needed to do, despite everyone can give you all this advice for the longest time, but all that matters in the end is what you think, right? I mean, you take that into account, but suddenly when I took the time to clear out everything else, it it became really clear that I needed to quit and I did. And since I did that just a couple weeks ago, I've been way more free. So it's important to take some time to slow down especially in this today's society. Wow. And that's coming from someone that lives in kind of somewhere that is quieter itself. Gunnison, I know that there's tons of activity, but it's not like right. New York City, for instance. How much more for folks that are in that 24-7 all the time? And you were talking about not making eye contact. I was recently in New York and you can easily not make eye contact with lots of people <laughs> all day long there, which is crazy. But it sounds like the effect of it has has stuck around with you for for at least enough to commit to doing an hour a week, which is kind of the purpose of doing these kinds of challenges is what kind of long-term change it has on you. Obviously, going silent caused you to want to do this podcast, but also the the ongoing practice is another huge benefit, it sounds like. And it is practice, right? Like an hour is hard. (laughs) You go through a lot in an hour. And a lot of times they'll start off the meditations by, there's not much um, guidance. You just, they just say, okay, guys, well, you'll hear a gong. We're going to sit for an hour and we're all going to fight our own battles. And then we'll come back. And then you, at the end, you practice five minutes of self-love and concentrating on thoughts of being proud of yourself for being there and whatever else you should be happy for yourself for and congratulating yourself for whatever little victory there was in your day, et cetera. But yeah, fighting your own battles and in silence, being forced to sit with it rather than push it off or try not to think about it, whatever is on your mind. Super important. And even biking... I mean, that clears your mind for sure, but you don't really, if there's a problem on your, sure on the climb, maybe. Like on the climb, I definitely can contemplate things on a bike besides my pain and suffering. (laughs) You go numb after a while. You definitely, the first few miles, it's like, oh, this is awful. Then you can just kind of zone out. And then the downhill, I'm like just having so much fun, so not really thinking about anything. Yeah. And concentrating on not falling. <laughs> it's hard to lift Yeah. I, I started mountain biking. My friend had free tickets to the downhill park. So I started off on a chairlift. So I was just ruined from day one for any sort of climbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's definitely, uh, that'll spoil that, yeah, you. Yeah. That was right after, the, for after sure. the lightning trail. So I got that horrible climbing and oh, then had God. just a chairlift all the time. <laughs> So, so tell us about, um, after the retreat, the silence retreat, um, do you, do you, what do you think your boss got out of it, by the way? Did he ever 
talk, y'all talk about? Were y'all allowed to talk mm-hmm. on the way home? Like, mm-hmm. tell me about that. You know, and that was a big part of it was a lot of people could leave the place if they wanted to, but because he had driven, <laughs> I was kind of stuck there. <laughs> what do you What do you mean they couldn't leave? Um, well, you could drive and go to a hot spring or something, but he had yeah. drove the car. And plus, I didn't want to tell him that I wanted to leave because I didn't want to ruin or taint his experience because he actually was going through a loss of his wife the year before. So I knew that he was going and working through all sorts of emotions and I couldn't just let my pent up self affect that. So he came out feeling very refreshed because he's also a busybody. He's supposedly retired, but he is constantly... (laughs) on the phone. Um, They do a lot of mining, international mining policy at the nonprofit. So he's often deliberating over policy with other countries. And this is constant. Like I'd get texts from him very late at night (laughs) because his mind is always going. So for him to slow down and have no other obligations, but to sit with whatever grief he's going through, uh, he didn't talk about it too much. But since then, he has made strides in his, um, in his well-being. I would say that's very interesting. Wow, awesome! Yeah. So for you personally, tell us about starting the show, No Handlebars. What it's about, and, and some of the some of the interesting stories that you've you've come across. You've had everything from like people starting hot dog stands to people running ultra marathons to, um, just all kinds of stuff. People, um, starting, you know, owning farms. Um, what are you, what is the purpose of your show and what are you trying to get out of it? The purpose of the show is to help people to celebrate everyday achievements and everyday victories in order to pursue larger goals they have for themselves. Um, which might just be being happy. Um, because constantly people, life is very short, right? And I think that you will reach these big accomplishments of maybe buying a house or having a baby, getting married or doing something meaningful in your work. And that only comes along so often, like these big ones, maybe four or five times in your life, maybe less, maybe more, who knows, but every day achievements can happen every day and give you a good reason to start the day every day, right? To this purpose principle. So that's kind of the the purpose of the podcast is to help people to be motivated um, to achieve goals and providing examples of other people achieving small and big things in a kind of a comedic format. So um, uh, naturally, a lot of our stories are kind of about adventure, like the 240 miles through Moab, Utah, or my friend Jess, who hiked across Colombia alone for four days. Um, because in Gunnison, there's so many people who pursue adventure and pushing themselves. But then we also have like starting a farm or the hot dog stand, right? But I felt like our two podcasts were pretty similar because of this. In I feel like these themes keep turning up through each episode. Like perseverance is prevalent in every episode. And the sports ones and these adventure ones, I feel like I had mentioned this before, that uh, adventure sports really bring you close to nature, which kind of brings you close to this meditative state of 
bringing you back to earth and what it's all about rather than being on a court, which also teaches you a lot of things. But when you're in the, like (laughs) on the trail with your family, right? Like the family of six you interviewed, you are just so like, you're kind of put in a historical state of perseverance. And I feel like you can connect with this to achieve your goals because throughout history, it's taken so much for people to survive, right? It's like a much of a survive thing, a survival mindset. So like one short I have coming up is about the climber mindset. And because my boyfriend's brother is a big wall climber, which I think is crazy. (laughs) And so like kind of the state they go into and just talking about what you think about. And it turns out to be not much, you know, <laughs> like one person just blacks out when they're just on the wall. doesn't think about anything. Yeah. You almost, you almost can't. And I would say that's when you said that, that meditative state that adventure sports puts you in. Mm-hmm. Climbing is the one I always think of because it's the one, anything that, that, re- that has a certain level of danger requires a heightened sense of heightened focus. Mm-hmm. That's why downhill is so much more exciting you're totally locked in you're not your mind's not wandering on the downhill on the uphill it's not so dangerous in the sense of like you're going slow typically mm-hmm. at least i am and uh you know there's not a lot of risk there when i'm bike touring on the road same thing i can just kind of wander off because it's you know it's not not a ton of risk going on but climbing you're really locked in downhill you're really locked in and that's awesome. That's like, it's hard to, to get your mind to do that in mm-hmm. normal life on its own. It, it almost takes a task like that to force it. Um, surfing can do that as well. A runner's high, you can kind of wander off, you know, you're, but you know, you, mm-hmm. it, it's just, that's interesting that you say that, but very cool. Sorry. Did I cut you off? No, you added wonderful things. It's <laughs> exactly what I was getting. Like, Exactly. Exactly. You're right on it. So I feel like this theme is prevalent throughout a lot of these sports and a lot of these things also exist in starting a business or playing music or doing things that are easy but hard (laughs) even. So yeah, some of my episodes is the 240 miles, um, which is kind of like never giving up and self-coaching yourself. And then Columbia is like risk assessment and fear calculation, like being scared, but knowing that it's n- not worth not going for, right? Like proper fear calculation, which also exists in like bit starting a business or running 240 miles. Like all these things really go over to each other. An episode I have in the future is reckon recovery, which is, like when one time being here, I was editing in a fort, my, my pillow fort. <laughs> and I get a call from a friend and he says, Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I am editing in my pillow fort. He says, perfect. I need you to go get Paige's dog. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And he's like, she'd crashed at Hartman's. The EMTs are on the way. I'm like, what? Okay. This is way more serious than you're making it sound like. Um, so anyway, I go over there not knowing what to expect. I'm like wearing the most ridiculous outfit because I was just in my pillow fort. And um, I hear her yelling, you know, like screaming, help, help, help. The MTs are going one direction. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go towards the yelling. 
And I got to her and she had like kind of blown up her knee on a rock mountain biking. And so, you know, we, I got there and then the EMTs were pretty close behind me and we were there coaching her through and, and like getting her juiced up on some (laughs) good meds. So it was just wild to see that moment of such pain and wreck and some of these things that can happen when you're pursuing extreme sports, right? I'm like, okay, if you're going to go hard, sometimes you're going to wreck hard. So, and then the recovery that comes after that also requires these kind of things like, um, right, perseverance and keeping a good mindset because negative thoughts can be more powerful or are more powerful than positive thoughts. So it's so much more important to be positive in recovery or when you're pursuing a goal, right? So that's going to be an episode in the future. Also featuring my boyfriend, Jimmy, whose ankle is blown up right now from a mountain bike accident like three years ago. So just that whole process. We're all going through it sometimes. And then another one I'm going to have is skydiving. I was talking to that person yesterday and just like what it takes to jump out of a plane, right? Maybe it doesn't take anything, but sometimes for some people it takes some sort of mindset you got to tap into in order to to go against what your body is telling itself you to do which is not jump out of a plane and it sounds like i have to skydive in order to record record this episode and i've never done that i know a lot of people have so i'm going to have to face that fear and just do it but um the another episode last one i'll talk about is the music one which was really interesting to me because i celebrate these little victories right And the person I had interviewed really does emphasize progress, but they're very hard on themselves and pursuing perfection that practically can never be achieved. But they're always improving and just taking that um, that philosophical scope on what it is to achieve in music and what it is to achieve with a team that is your band and kind of matching up on goals and keeping up for each other. So all these things all kind of mesh into a achievement umbrella and what it takes and how to define achievement. What are some of the achievements on your list that you're hoping to accomplish at some point or, or soon? Is there anything that's kind of on your short list right now, big or small? Oh, man. You know, I've been thinking about, I'm like, how do I not have like that many solid goals? Like I myself, because you have to form that goal first before you can take steps to get there. I mean, I don't exactly know what my goal for this podcast is. Um, I think it's kind of just to create cool stories and put as much effort I can into it and see what happens. But I think the biggest goal for myself with these everyday achievements and spotlighting other people's is happiness, really. Like, I'm a pretty happy person, but everyone experiences feelings of anxiety or vulnerability. And these are, for me, overcome by celebrating, pushing myself and achieving the small things. Um, So some of these goals are since I've been in this relationship is like buying a house one day, which suddenly, you know, we're about a year in, which is not very much, but we've made these commitments together being like, okay, we want to buy a house one day. This is what it's going to take to do it. And so that means I have to work more. And that means I have to have a positive mindset 
when I'm working in like my cooking job, that's not exactly where I want to be. So now I'm creating visions of kind of what I want my career to look like and taking steps to get there, which who knows, could be podcasting, could be the Forest Service, heck. So I think just like celebrating every day is (laughs) the steps to getting to whatever the path has for you down the line. And a big thing in going back to monastery and Buddhism is trusting the path of life, right? So I really do trust the path as long as you put an effort in that you'll end up where you're supposed to be. But you have, like the the little thing about little achievements or big thing is that you can't just settle for little achievements. You have to use these as motivation to keep moving forward. So that was a, a roundabout answer to saying, I want the basic things of having a house and a career that I love. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do that through hosting a podcast, talking to people about <laughs> running 240 miles. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like getting, you know, you love listening to podcasts, but making your own podcast is so fun too. So just like, it's really creative. If you guys check it out, it's kind of a weird format where I use tons of sound effects and stuff <laughs> to kind of like emphasize the story. But I just, it's to find these stories and get into them and hear it is so inspiring. Like, so myself on my path, I am constantly inspired every time I interview someone, right? I'm like, okay, I got to keep doing what I'm doing because these people are doing what they're doing and we just got to motivate each other. So I'm kind of feeding off other people's accomplishments to motivate myself. And by motivating myself and making a podcast about it, I'm hoping to motivate other people. Absolutely. That's, yeah. More creators doing more interesting things like that and encouraging this kind of lifestyle and and these kind of achievements is the more the better. You know, the more people doing this, the better. And the more you're able to help folks share their stories, Mm -hmm. um, the better. But this is fantastic. Well, I, I tell you what, gosh, if I'm ever in a crossroads with life, a five-day silence retreat sounds like sounds like my kind of answer. You know what I mean? I'm not <laughs> if I'm ever like not in the mood to bike a few hundred miles and it's like, let's just do nothing for five days. That might open up that clarity. I I, I, yeah. I know people that swear by it, that swear that I mean, not to bring up someone who is a lot of times unpopular, but Bill Gates goes on silence retreats and you can argue that it's worked very well for him. Um, mm-hmm. he, he likes to take week long retreats where he does nothing of, I've heard lots of leaders and lots of people do this and very interesting. I love this. And it's kind of, like you said, an achievement in itself. So, right. Well, cool. Right. Well, uh, it sounds like folks can find no handlebars anywhere they get podcasts. Yeah. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with uh, listeners before we go? That I love all of you for supporting Mason <laughs> <laughs> and just pursuing adventure every day. Don't stop. But also um, you could find you no know, handlebars like anywhere you get it. But also I have a website called ToriTells.com if you want to get a little bit more background on what it's all about. Tori tells T-O-R-I, that is. And yeah, just like, guys, keep on with this progress principle. If you're trying to do crazy, cool adventures and expeditions, like remember those small steps to get there. And 
you know, Harvard is behind all this research of how progress, like even Watson and Crick, who discovered the structure of DNA, right? This was all motivated by small steps to get there. Like they didn't just do that overnight at all. Absolutely. So keep on y'all. There's someone you would admire that's, well, I'll never get there. Well, they were once right where you are, you know, and it's small steps. Like you said, you look at an acorn, you never imagine that being a giant tree, but you know, give it 20, 30 years. And that's a lot of times how long these people work on these careers and work on these crafts that they do. You know what I mean? Right. I've been podcasting four years and I feel like I'm just now getting the hang of it. Yeah. It doesn't happen And I'm super new. Yeah. I should put that disclosure in. (laughs) So um, I don't have, uh, I have like Seven. I don't. I've kind of lost track of how many episodes I have. But releasing another another summer season this summer um, of just like a cluster of episodes because I'm just one person here. So that editing takes a little while. But stay tuned. <laughs> First of all. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>